Hi, and welcome to the very first Chang Chat with Stu Chang. And of course, I'm Stu Chang. So, you know, interesting thing about the name, just real quick, since this is my first one, I'll tell you a little bit about that. You know, I spent the last seven years in a pretty big um, American multinational corporation, and I had a really cool job. Um, I worked, uh, you might have seen in the trailer, I've worked for about 34 years in my professional career. And in the last five to seven years, I had the opportunity to really give back that life career's worth of experience back to um, you know many of the folks that work through the through the function of really being uh, a leadership uh, and a professional coach. So so uh, what I would do is I would give uh, either a lot of group level talks or just you know have one-on-one coaching sessions with folks. And a couple of friends of mine, uh, Rebecca and Ken, uh, they, they, they first thought, well, they're like TED Talks, but they're not TED Talks, so they wanted to give it a name, and they ended up calling them Chang Chats. So thanks, Rebecca and Ken, for the name Chang Chats. So there you have it. So today, what I wanted to talk about, you know, is... We're at a time of year where we're going to be spending some time with a lot of friends and family, maybe, you know, going to a Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. And, you know, sometimes in those situations, we don't we don't get to pick who we're around. And there's always somebody who has a different point of view than you do. So what I want to talk about today is how can you have a, a good conversation, a better conversation with somebody who has a different point of view than you, instead of just descending into just these headbutting arguments that, you know, sometimes some of these topics can, can, uh, you know, can get to. So I'll start off by telling you something that I just saw like two days ago when I went to Costco. And, you know, I'll use this as an example that this kind of theme I'll use today in this talk as an example, but the principle of how we have a better conversation, it applies to everything about, you know, what causes us to have these headbutting type arguments. So I went to Costco the other day and as I'm walking into Costco, I see this guy and his family getting escorted out and the guy has no mask. Yeah, right. It's it's that it's that story. It's the mask versus no mask. But it's a good it's a good illustration. So this guy has no mask and he's screaming at the manager who's escorting him out and what he's telling the manager is he says no one is going to tell me what to do. And the guy storms out of the store. So that's really a good example of, you know, we can use this example to go really illustrate why is it that we have these differing views and how can you have a conversation with somebody about whether that topic is mask or no mask, uh, you know, Trump versus Biden, PlayStation versus Xbox. It doesn't matter what the topic is. The fundamentals of how you have this conversation with somebody is all the same. So that said, let's talk about, you know, what drives us to have these disagreements. I'm going to talk about a foundational principle, and that is everything anybody ever does 
is based on two things. Anything you consciously do. I'm sure you can do things subconsciously or or whatever. You can have a, 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 um, a reaction or something like that. But I'm talking about any deliberate act that anybody really ever does. It really comes from just two places, two very simple places. And it comes from what they value and what they believe. And so that's really the short of this talk, right? If you really want to understand how to have a better conversation with somebody, you got to understand how they come to and what they actually value and what they believe. There's a lot to unpack here. So let's jump right in and start talking about um, values and beliefs and where do they come from? So let's talk about first, what is actually, what is a value? And you know, the simple way to put it is a value is just something you care about. It's something that matters to you. And people who are congruent in their values, they generally tend to feel, you know, they tend to feel secure and good about themselves because they're living life the way they feel they should be. And they're even probably happier if the people around them are exhibiting those same values as well. I mean, just think about it. Uh, you know, if, if somebody, you know, if you value safety and security and somebody doesn't value that, you guys are probably going to continue to have a little friction in terms of, you know, what, you know, how we do things. So in, in simple terms, values are basically what you care about. Now, it, values come from a lifetime of experiences. So when you talk about, when we start talking about how you actually have a good conversation with somebody, it becomes a little bit harder to try to influence their values. But remember, I said the other thing is their beliefs. And that's where you've got a fighting chance to start having a better conversation with somebody. It, because a belief is something that hopefully if the person's willing to listen they you're much you have a you have a better likelihood you have a fighting chance to influence someone's influence what they believe because it should be based on information than something they value which is which is you know which is something they've built up over a lifetime now remember at the beginning of this i talked about any really conscious action a person takes come from values and beliefs. So we talked a little bit about values. Let's talk about where the beliefs come in. And I want to talk about a concept um, by a, a Harvard professor, research professor named Chris Sargeris. And he came up with this uh, idea called the ladder of inference. And it's it's basically how how we operate as people and it's it's how we think and this this process of inference we do this thousands and thousands of of times a day even in milliseconds actually and I'll, I'll talk about that ladder in a second but before we start talking about that ladder of inference a couple of other things like i said there was a lot to unpack here a couple of other things you need to know about how people think and there's a couple of biases that we all have right and the general category are called expediency biases. And, and they're not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not, just, I'm not saying they're a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's, it's actually a necessity because there is so much information, there's so much happening in the world around us that the only way we can process it all and get through it 
is through these mental shortcuts that we call expediency biases. And there's two that really come into play when people are camping out on their positions about whether it's mask or no mask or who's the best president or Xbox versus PlayStation. And those two expediency biases are an availability bias and a confirmation bias. And so let's talk about the availability bias first. Remember, we talked about ultimately at some point, somebody's going to take an action, which comes from a belief, which comes from, you know, some conclusions they have and so on and so forth. But it all starts with information that they receive. So the, the concept of the availability bias says really is that we tend to process things that are more readily available to us. So think about that. If the person that has the opposite view that you do, where are they getting their information? Do they sit and listen to Fox News or CNN all day long? And that's the, the single source. It's either Fox News or CNN. And are they just listening to only those sources of information? That's the information they get that's more readily available. Or if they get a lot of their information on Facebook, who are their Facebook friends? What kind of information is floating around on their Facebook feed? That's this concept of an availability bias where we tend to get, you know, we, we tend to assimilate the information that's most readily available to us. We tend to not go seek out opposing views that are a little bit harder. We, we just don't do that, right? So that's one. That's an availability bias. And then I talk about a confirmation bias, which is this need we have to actually only filter the information that confirms what we already believe. So you can see where this is going, right? With this with this uh, expediency bias we have as humans, where we first have this strong availability bias, and then this confirmation bias really starts to get us polarized in one direction or another. Let's talk about this ladder of inference that Chris Sargeris talks about. And keep in mind the expediency biases that I talked about. So at the very bottom of the ladder, it's just raw data and facts. It's experiences and observations that it's just... It's just reality. We'll call it reality. Um, it, that's like if, if you video recorded this experience or this situation and you played it back to everybody in the entire world, whatever we could all agree on that happened, we're going to regard that as fact. It's not opinion. It's, it's literally fact. On the second rung of the ladder, you start to select data that you feel is relevant and you kind of discard other things that you think are not relevant. So right away, we don't take in all of the information. We start to select data and disregard other pieces of data. As we move up to the third rung in the ladder, we start to add meaning based on what you feel is reasonable according to the data you already selected. This is where parts of your existing values and beliefs starts to come in, right? So you're adding meaning to, you know, to, you know, to the data you selected. As you get up to the fourth rung in the ladder, you start to make assumptions on the data 
and the meaning, and you want to believe that they're accurate, and you want to believe that they represent reality. That's the fourth rung in the ladder. As you move to the fifth rung, since you believe this is reality, you start to draw conclusions based on those assumptions. And it's based on really what's best for you and those you care about. And remember, I talked about values. Values are things you care about. So you start to draw conclusions about those assumptions based on what's best for you and those that you care about. From there, as you move up the ladder, then you start to adopt another belief. So this is, this is where your beliefs come from. So you adopt a belief based on the conclusions and you kind of believe that this is the way the world is. This is, this, is, this is the reality. And from there, finally, the last rung in the ladder, you take an action based on your belief and if you're, as if they were proven to be fact. And you'll adjust any new data that fits your belief. But that's how the ladder works. Let's take an example about, I'll actually give you two sides of an example. Let's, let's take an example first, and it's about wearing a mask, right? Um, so let's, let's assume that you're one of the pro-mask folks. You're the one of the folks that already believe that wearing a mask is the right thing to do. So let's go through the ladder from that perspective, and we'll kind of flip it around. Let's talk about that same example from somebody who doesn't think that wearing a mask is necessary. So the pro-mask person first. Uh, somebody walks into a Costco, and they see somebody not wearing a mask. That That's the first rung. They just see somebody not wearing a mask. They As you move to the second rung, they're not looking around to realize that, you know what, every single other person in Costco actually is wearing a mask, and it's just this one person not wearing a mask. You start to select the data that you feel is relevant, and you discard everything else. So you start focusing now on this one person not wearing that mask. Based on what you feel is reasonable and some beliefs that you've had, you start to add meaning to this. You start to you know, maybe you're, the meaning you're going to add to it is, wow, you know what? Um, that person doesn't care about the other people around them. So you start to now make some assumptions about that person and you start to say, wow, I think that person is really just a very self-centered, cold-hearted person and they don't care anything about other people and harming other people. So you draw that as a conclusion Right, and you say, you know what? Um, I don't think that person is a good person, and so you adopt this belief that says people that don't wear masks, they're just caring, heartless people. And what I'm going to do finally, I'm going to take action. Is I'm going to go give that person a piece of my mind. I'm going to go tell that person that they are harming me because I'm a high-risk group and how dare he come into public without even, without even considering that, that they're putting me at risk. Now, let's flip that around a little bit. Let's, um, let's talk about this in a different way, right? You go into the Costco and you see this person not wearing a mask. When you go up to this person and you start giving them a piece of your mind, what if, what if the person goes, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry. Here's the thing. All my life, 
I've had respiratory issues, and normally I always wear a mask, but I had this mask on and I was pushing this very heavy shopping cart and I started to have a respiratory attack and I was about to pass out. So I just needed a little bit more free flow of air. So momentarily I took my mask down. That's when you came around the corner and you saw me without a mask. So normally I always wear a mask. In fact, I actually do believe that people should wear masks, but you just caught me at just the moment when I pull my mask down for a breather. What just happened, right? What just happened was your ladder of inference kind of was wrong. So all those things you thought, that data you selected, the meaning you assigned, the assumptions you made, the conclusions you had, right before you took that action to rip into that person, they were all wrong, okay? So that's one way, uh, you know, that, that's one example of how the ladder works. Okay, now let's take another look at the ladder, but maybe from a different perspective, somebody who don't believe that wearing masks is necessary, what could be going on in their ladder, all right? How could they get there? Uh, maybe what they, uh, when this COVID thing broke out, uh, you know, way back in February, March, they started looking at the news. They, you know, they already have values and beliefs. Maybe they're politically motivated and they actually at some point believe that, that this is politically motivated. So at the very bottom of their ladder, they, you know, they are selecting data that they want to look at. They believe somewhere, they have this belief that says that this is, you know, for some reason, this isn't real. So they, they start only, remember I talked about the availability bias and the confirmation bias. So they start selecting only the data that, that they feel is relevant and they start adding meaning to that. Maybe this person says, you know what, this is a form of, of government control. And what they're trying to do is to suppress my freedom. And they're gonna make assumptions about that saying, you know, here's all the data that shows that the government is actually, there, there's actually no real harm in this virus. And they're gonna find the sources that say, this isn't a threat. What this is more about, it's more about taking away freedoms. And remember I talked about, in the beginning, everything a person does is based on values and beliefs. It could be very much true that this person values personal freedom and liberty over the health and safety of somebody else. It could be. I'm, I'm not saying that they do. I'm just, I'm just using this as an example. So they draw a conclusion then that says, when the local and state and federal governments tell me to wear a mask, they're not doing that to help the population. It's really just politically motivated. And the real danger is that in the end, they start chipping away at my freedom, which I value more than anything else. So they adopt this belief that says, if I wear a mask, I am giving in to government control. And if I give them one inch, they'll take a mile. And before you know it, I'm going to wake up in a totalitarian state. And therefore, the action that I'm going to take is I am going to practice civil disobedience and not wear a mask 
so that I'll do my part to not end up in a totalitarian state. So that's just another way the ladder of inference can work. actually have a conversation with somebody who actually values and believes something totally different than you do. The first place to start is really to find out what people actually value and what people believe. And remember I talked earlier about this expediency bias, about where people get information that's readily available and they just kind of go into this loop where they conf- they're only filtering for information that confirms what they already believe. Believe. Have you ever asked that person, well, why? why? Why do you think that? And their response is, well, I just do. That's your first clue that says they really don't have a strong fact-based reason to believe what they believe. At some point, they got themselves in this expediency bias loop and for weeks and months, have just continued to feed it until a point where they just end up somewhere in their value and belief system that they just can't explain. But but that said, the first simple thing you need to do to be able to have a better conversation with somebody is to first understand what you actually value and what you actually what they actually value and what they believe. Now, here's a here's an interesting an interesting um, thing, right? Uh, while it's very hard to change someone's values, uh, you have a, between changing someone's values versus changing someone's belief, you have a much better chance of changing someone's beliefs than you have changing their value. But here's the good news. You would be amazed at, de- depending on to what level you take it, most people on this planet actually value the same thing. They all value you know, uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. They value the safety of themselves and their family, right? It's what where we go sideways and where we start arguing is how. It's how you achieve things, which is, which is where beliefs come into play much more so than values, right? So, for example, um, there, there was a... There was a, a blow up in our neighborhood Facebook group where one group was saying, you know, we can't let Antifa come into the neighborhood. And another group, you know, um, viewed something a little bit differently. But at the end, somebody posted on their Facebook and, and you have to read it really subtly to, to really see what was going on. And, and what the person said was, hey, if riots came into my neighborhood and it was for a cause that I believed in, what I would do is I would take my kids and get out of the house. And if they want to burn my house down, they can go ahead and burn my house down because it supports their cause and I have insurance. Now, here's what, here's what the other side missed about that statement. Again, that they were selecting only the things that they thought were relevant, which was, and they amplified it, and they said, Here's a person who is willing to let a, a, a bunch of rioters come into the neighborhood because she supports what they believe. But here's what, here's what they missed. They missed the fact that 
they both cared deeply about the safety and security of their family, first and foremost. What that poster said was, I would grab my kids and my family and get out of the house. So interestingly enough, if they wanted to, if they chose to have a conversation, the first thing that they should go figure out is, hey, what do you care about? What do you value? And they would eventually discover that they both deeply care about the safety and security of their family. Now you've got a place to start. Now you can talk about how do we accomplish safety and security for for our family? And that's where your beliefs come in. Some people believe the best way to do that is to build a wall. Other people believe that the best way to do that is to put social programs in place that help people who are committing crimes to not commit crimes, right? Uh, Look, I'm not here to debate which way is right or wrong. I'm here to help you figure out how to have a better conversation. But you can see they both care about the safety and security of their family. It's how they achieve that where the differences lie. So how do you have a better conversation with somebody? First, like I said, go figure out what they value and what they believe. Now, when they're explaining this to you as you, because you asked them, right? You, you've asked, you, you want to ask them, hey, so on this topic, just tell me, what do you care about and what do you believe? And by the way, a lot of times, just there's just a normal tendency for people when they start talking about something, they actually don't start at the top of the topic. They start somewhere in the middle. So what you might need to do to get them to figure out, to get to figure out what they value is to actually kind of keep taking that up to a higher level, you know, meaning at some point in that conversation that in that example I talked about, we'll get to the fact that they cared about the safety and security of their family, right? So the first thing you want to do is you need to listen to the person and I'll give you a quote from Stephen Covey, and it's one of my most favorite quotes. And that quote is, listen with an intent to understand, not an intent to respond. So said differently, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I'll tell you why this is such a powerful technique. Because as human beings, there is one thing above all, especially when it comes to arguments, that all human beings need, almost all, most, almost everybody I've come across. And that is the need to be validated in what you think and what you believe and what you value, right? It's just a need to be seen and heard. Do not underestimate the need to be seen and heard. Go back and think about every single argument you've had, the most recent argument you had, I guarantee at this point, you don't even remember the details about why you were arguing, but what you probably remember today is that they weren't listening to you. If you've got kids, why do you think your kids get frustrated with you? It's because your kid doesn't think that what they think, what they have to say, they don't, they just don't think you care about it from their perspective. So if you want somebody to be open and receptive to you, you have to genuinely, genuinely listen 
with the intent to understand their point of view and do so empathetically. Listen empathetically. listening even sound like so let's take let's take an example I'll make one up let's say you've got a kid and they're in fifth grade and they feel like you know their life is so hard and 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 school's hard kids in school are mean and they come home and they're they're just in tears you may look at that and you know that it's something that they'll probably learn and grow out of later in life. But in that moment, being not empathetic, a an unempathetic response is, oh, come on, you know, um, kids are just kids. Don't worry, life will get better. Yeah, that, that's not an empathetic response. An empathetic response would be something like, wow, I can see that this is really hard on you. I can see how the way these kids are treating you makes you really sad. Now, you you may not even need to agree with that or not, but what you're doing is you're acknowledging to that person that how they feel matters to you, right? And again, don't confuse agreeing with them versus just being empathetic to how they feel. So that's the first trick in having a better conversation is understand what people value and believe. And during the process of you understanding, empathetically, genuinely listen with that intent to understand. Couple of things to kind of run through to figure out whether you actually listen or with an intent to understand, or you listen with an intent to uh, with an intent to respond. Just think through: Do you do these things right? When somebody's talking, are you literally waiting for them to stop talking so you can then start talking about your view? If you do that, you're not listening with an intent to understand. If you're not focused and paying attention while they're talking and saying to yourself, why are they saying this? What are they trying to say? You're probably not listening with an intent to understand. If you interrupt them for some reason, because you feel the need to say something else, then clearly you're not listening with an intent to understand. So these are just a couple of clues out there about whether you listen with an intent to understand. So if you want to do that better, again, Listen empathetically. And, and one trick is, is give them the space to say what they have to say. And if you do need to ask yourself something during this conversation while they're talking, say to yourself, why are they saying what they're saying? Where are they coming from? What are they trying to tell me? And if you do want to ask them something, ask them more about trying to understand what they value, and what they believe. 
now you're at this point in this conversation where the other person feels like you are willing to listen. So maybe they're opening up a little bit and they're hammering out all of their selected facts that they, that they assign their meanings to, that they've made their assumptions and drawn their conclusions and their beliefs on. And you're just dead set that absolutely everything they said was 100% wrong. How do you now go on, you know, get your side of the story out? And it's another technique called uh, assertive inquiry by Chris Sargeris. Again, uh, that, that same Harvard professor that we talked about. And how this technique works, it's, it's pretty simple, right? First, first is you have to sit down and make sure you give them the opportunity to say what they have to say and you genuinely listen. But then you're a part of this conversation too. So assertive inquiry, um, well, let, let, let me give you an example of really how most people have these conversations. How most people come into a conversation is, is they come loaded to bear with all of their facts and they just start hammering in a, on each other. That, that's that conversation you are dreading and that's a conversation you didn't want to have and that's why you didn't want to go to Thanksgiving dinner because you know that they're just going to come at you one-sided and they're 100% wrong and you're 100% right and all you do is butt heads. That, that's what we call a positional argument where you both came to a position right? These are the beliefs that you have. And the way you want to influence somebody is to just keep hammering them harder and harder and harder. And it becomes this tit for tat point counterpoint kind of argument where they say, well, you know, Biden did this and they go, well, Trump did that. And and you just kind of go back and forth and back and forth and no one's listening to anybody. So I've already talked about how you can start breaking that cycle, right? You break that cycle by trying to understand what they value and what they believe and listen empathetically. In doing that, you're subconsciously teaching them to do the same thing. So now comes your turn. And you want to, instead of going through tit for tat, which is, because here's the thing, for every pound of facts you've got, that supposedly supports one point of view, they've got 10 pounds of facts in their mind that discount your view. What you want to do is get to the point where you've listened to them and then use this technique called assertive inquiry, which simply just simply says, hey, you know what? What you said was really important, but I've got something important that I have to say, and it's worth listening to as well. And that's so you're not hammering them with facts. Come back and restructure your argument from the top down the way we talked about it. Come back in and start with the values and say, look, it seems like we both care about, uh, you know, the safety of our family, right? That That's a value we can both agree on. And get them, you know, get see if they see if they see the world that way and see if they agree with that. If they do, then you can say, okay, let's talk about some of the beliefs you have about what makes us safe or unsafe. And you've asserted this fact, but here is some fact that I have that I think is worth listening to. And so at least at this point, you're, you've got some common ground in what you value. And now things are probably hopefully a little bit calmer and you're more willing to listen 
to some of the other facts, beliefs that each other has. directly challenge their belief because you can't change someone's belief just simply by saying, I think you're wrong, right? They're the only ones who can change their belief. You need to understand that, right? You can't change someone's belief. They're the only ones that can do that based on their ladder of inference. So what you can do is go through their ladder of inference and try to make these micro adjustments that they're more willing to make smaller adjustments that ultimately change their top level belief. That's, that's the best way you can go have this conversation with them. And it could be that you could end up not, not agreeing. I'm I'm not saying that you're not, you're going to end up agreeing in the end. Uh, It could be that you both don't agree in the end, but at least this is a way to have a more civil conversation as opposed to the conversation ending, you know, in just two people yelling at each other about who's right and who's wrong. I mean, when you come back to values, it very well could be that one person values the safety of the the masses, the, the world around them. So they feel that in doing that, they wear a mask, right? It could be somebody values that more than somebody who values their personal freedom and liberty. It could be that the other person values their personal freedom and liberty more than they value the safety of others. It it could be. And if that's the case, you may never see eye to eye with that person. Um, or, Or certainly that's a much longer game to change. Anyway, in the end, I hope this really gives you a better understanding about why people think differently than you. And that being is most likely that they have different enough values and beliefs. So if you want to win them over to your side of thinking, understand those fundamental values and beliefs. Let them say their piece first without judgment. I forgot to mention that. When you were listening to them, were, we, were you judging? Were you formulating opinions? Don't do that. Not, not yet, right? When you're in the listening phase, you need to be listening with that intent to understand, which means don't judge. Get the information you need to get. So let them say their piece without you judging them or adding opinions in your part and sincerely understand and validate their thoughts and feelings, being empathetic. But then share your thoughts too on their inference process. Don't directly challenge your beliefs, but give them something to think about. In the end, you might not win the argument in that moment, but you might just have gotten them a little bit closer to seeing things from your point of view without damaging feelings. When it comes down to the definitive answer about who's right or wrong in wearing a mask, here's the thing. The answer isn't about being right or wrong because that's not what you're upset and frustrated really about. What you're really upset and frustrated about 
is that you felt that someone was just simply dismissing your point of view and living and not living according to your values and beliefs. So now you know how to get them a little bit closer to your point of view. That's it, folks. Thanks for, uh, if, you were, if you stayed with me this long, this, this went a lot longer than I thought it would. I, I really had no idea how long this was going to be. This was my very first chat, and probably I shouldn't have picked such a complicated topic to talk about. Uh, there was certainly a lot to unpack here, but, uh, you know, I thought it was, it was appropriate given the time of year where we probably are going to end up in situations where we might be with somebody who just has that different enough value and belief and you just don't want to end up in a a uncomfortable argument with that person all night but somehow how we can just have this conversation uh and and both parties feel like they were heard and you know maybe maybe you influenced maybe you didn't maybe you won maybe you didn't win but hopefully um maybe we can just survive the afternoon survive the party survive the dinner without any hurt feeling that's it for my very first chang chat i hope you enjoyed it and you know i hope you keep coming back to listen to some more topics and you know let me know what you want to hear about if there's something you're struggling with if there's something that you might want to you know hear a little bit more about just give me a shout let me know and we'll see if we can add that in the future so thanks for listening